This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is coming up to 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. First up, we are looking into WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's final appeal to prevent his extradition from the UK to the US to face espionage charges. Now, this is happening at the High Court of Justice in London. Uh, They began a two-day hearing on his case on Tuesday. And um, the thing that authorities are looking to assess is whether he will have more opportunity to contest extradition to the US in British courts because he was charged under the US Espionage Act of 1917 with a maximum prison sentence of 175 years for leaking hundreds of thousands of classified documents exposing American war crimes in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, it's a fascinating case and I think it's been going for more than a decade now. I mean, the the you know the legal troubles he's had uh, and I think it's very divisive uh, in some regards. People you know who believe the kind of national security argument uh, whistleblowers who, are always divisive. Yeah, they yeah. are, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And and so you either take the position that we need people to lift the veil uh, uh, of secrecy that you know shrouds a lot of government action. It's, you know sometimes governments are involved in uh, uh, assassinations. I mean they're killing people in different countries and so on and so forth and. If that is a public good, then Julian Assange is your hero. But if you believe that governments, by their very nature, have to operate in, in ways that are not... Have some, to have secrets, actually. And they have to have yeah. secrets, and they, those secrets need to be maintained in order to protect everybody, then uh, then Julian Assange is the villain. Yes, and so that's what the US government is arguing, that his actions jeopardized national security and endangered individuals named in the leaked documents. So I, I think therein lies that that exact uh, that exact divide. It is worth saying that we're talking about US, UK and so on, but actually Australia is important here too. Uh, last week, Australian PM Anthony Albanese spoke up for Assange, who is himself Australian, saying, I have put the view very clearly, privately, as I have publicly, that enough is enough. It's time that Julian Assange was brought home. I've engaged with his legal team on a regular basis as well on a strategy to try to get through this and come out the other side in Mr. Assange's interest. And I bring that up partly because it's important that we don't forget that uh, there is there is also that element, but also because our guest is actually going to be speaking somewhat from that perspective, because very shortly, we will be joined by Greg Barnes, Senior Counsel and Advisor to the Australian Assange Campaign. But we'd like to hear from you. Are you following the uh, Julian Assange story? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.12 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We are talking today about Julian Assange and his uh, final appeal to prevent his extradition from the UK to the US. He is, of course, uh, the WikiLeaks founder who has been in a legal quagmire now for, for many, many years. And we're asking you for your thoughts. Are you following the story? Do you have questions about it? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 18 789 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us to talk about this, we have Greg Barnes, Senior Counsel and Advisor to the Australian Assange Campaign. Um, Greg, thanks for speaking with us. No problem at all. 
So uh, the two-day hearing concluded with a pending verdict from the High Court judges. What are your key takeaways from the legal arguments presented and how they might influence the judges' final decisions? Well, look, I think the, the, you know, the key takeaways are that the judges are very interested in the arguments. Um, you know, one of the compelling arguments here was that, uh, of course, since Julian was last in court, uh, we now know that there was a plot to assassinate him by the CIA that was revealed by Yahoo News. Uh, we know that uh, the American assurances that he'd be treated well in jail uh, are simply assurances they're not enforceable in law. So, you know, the judges are obviously interested in those arguments. They've asked for written submissions. Um, so they're due by March the 3rd and there'll be a decision after that. So, you know, uh, I think our team has been very pleased with the two-day hearing. Greg, you know, the lawyers, as we understand, for the U.S. have argued that Assange is not being pr- uh, prosecuted for his um, political opinions, but he is there because of a crime against American national security. Now, the Assange side, or the supporters of Assange, say that, in fact, the leaks uh, in question were done in a public-spirited public way. Can these positions be reconciled? Well, look, I don't think so. Uh, You know, the United States lawyers have taken a particular view of this, and that's why he's facing charges. But I think most people uh, think that what he revealed was very important. That is, war crimes committed by the United States in theatres of war, including in Iraq. Uh, And that is clearly in the public interest. You know, you've got to remember that uh, it was also the New York Times and The Guardian and other publications around the world which also... Uh, published the WikiLeaks material. And, of course, they haven't been prosecuted. So, you know, there's clear public interest in all of us knowing uh, what our governments do in the context of conflict or in the context of wrongdoing. So we understand that if the ruling is in Assange's favour, a full appeal hearing will be held. But if he loses, his only option will be the European Court of Human Rights. In either scenario, do you see his incarceration remaining a prolonged one? Uh, Are courts concerned about the psychological or the health impacts of this? Well, the psychological and and physical health impacts are demonstrable. I mean, he couldn't attend a two-day hearing because he's unwell. Um, His health has continued to decline for some years because he's being held in very harsh conditions in Belmarsh Prison just outside of London. Uh, And it's obviously a relevant factor. It's a relevant factor uh, because if he goes to the United States, he'd face, certainly he'd face torture and cruel and unusual punishment. But in in the context of this case, if he uh, is successful, he'll get a full hearing. Uh, We don't know when that'll be. It'll be sometime later this year. Uh, If he's unsuccessful, then... Uh, you know, that the risk is that the United Kingdom will simply put him on a plane within hours of the decision before his lawyers can get to the European Court of Human Rights and make an application. But if they do, uh, you know, the European Court of Human Rights can take some years to make a decision, so he would be incarcerated during that time. Now, it's been reported that this case is the first of its kind the government's using, the US government is using, and relied on a, a, an act from 1917. That's over 100 years ago. The claim is being made by, I think, advocates of free speech that this could set a dangerous precedent and harm the work of investigative journalists. Do you agree? I do agree. And uh, it's the first time the United States has use this action, uh, sorry, use this act in an extraterritorial sense. That is, uh, a person who's not a US citizen who did not go to the US to publish the material, uh, but is is an individual who's an Australian citizen and who was in uh, Europe at the time. Um, 
you know, Australia, for example, condemned uh, a new security law brought in by China in relation to Hong Kong when it had extraterritorial reach. I think it was saying, you know, we could we could go after uh, those who criticise China, um, but who do not live in China, and Australia condemned that law. Well, this is exactly the same. It would mean, if it was successful, any journalist or media around the world, including yourselves, could find themselves on the end of an extradition request from the United States if you publish material that the United States says is not in its interest. So that is a dangerous precedent for freedom of speech and freedom of the press. Let's talk about the Australian component because Australian lawmakers recently passed a motion urging the US and Britain to allow Assange to return to Australia um, while acknowledging Australia's limited legal influence. Can international support make a difference to the legal process that's underway? Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, what you've seen in Australia with the election of the Albanese government in 2022 has been an uplift in interest in the case, and the Prime Minister has lobbied uh, the Biden administration. We saw last week or two weeks ago in the Australian Parliament a vote of 86 to 42. That's very significant. What's that? What? What? You know, is that reflecting? It's reflecting the fact that the vast majority of Australians want this case done with. They want it over. Uh, And that's been made very clear by the government. It's been made very clear by the Australian community and a delegation of MPs that went across to the United States last year. So, you know, our view is that uh, Australia is an extremely close ally of the United States, as you know, and particularly in the Asia-Pacific region. And, you know, the US needs to respect that. And in, in that spirit, in that spirit of friendship, say, look, we're prepared to accede to your request because this is what Australia wants and it's important that, you know, that friendship is respected. Yeah, Greg, can we just uh, sort of go down this route for a little while, which is the fact that, you know, there is an international security alliance, which Australia is part, the Five Eyes Alliance, I think it's often referred mm. to. Now, is it significant if, if Australia doesn't want to play ball with the U.S. with regard to Assange's case? I mean, are we seeing something of a, a difference of opinion as to what is needed in order for this alliance to hold together, to do the work it thinks it needs to do in the world? Well, on the alliance, the fact that you had Australian lawmakers pass this motion, the fact that you had Australian lawmakers from all sides of politics uh, go to the uh, go to Washington last year uh, is very significant. Uh, what's very significant about it is that they came from, you know, the left and the right and the middle, and uh, they made a very emphatic point to lawmakers and others in Washington that this is a matter which uh, goes to the heart of the alliance between Australia and the US. So there is a tension being created, and and that's the way it should be, because, you know, the Biden administration needs to understand that this is, you know, something which Australians want to happen, and uh, it needs to happen. Greg, any final thoughts to leave us with? Well, look, uh, you know, it's an important uh, issue, not just for Australia, but for your own country and other countries where, of course, you uh, have uh, many journal- many fine journalists who do very good work. And it's it's very important that they understand that they're not going to be on the end of a extradition request uh, simply because they publish material about the United States that uh, the United States doesn't want to be made public. Greg, thank you very much for speaking with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. That was Greg Barnes, Senior Counsel and Advisor to the Australian Assange Campaign, talking to us, of course, about Julian Assange's court case. Um, He 
the his final appeal recently concluded in a two-day hearing. It will continue. I think um, the results will only likely come out much later. Yeah, it's coming out later for one thing, and also that if it's uh, if it sort of sides with Assange, then he gets a full hearing. So this yes. is actually kind of a preliminary one. If he doesn't, uh, and he can have the option of going to the European Court, what Greg Barnes just explained to us, which is very interesting, is that you know the the British state could actually sweep him up and try and extradite him and not leave time for his legal term, sorry, his legal team to make that application of the European Court. So it's very interesting because it's really a deeply political issue. And I think uh, Britain, you know, has been generally quite slavish to the US uh, in its foreign policy approach. And so, you know, it's going to do the the US bidding. Australia now seems to be stepping out of that and asking for something different. So we'd like to hear from you whether you have thoughts on this, uh, whether you are following the story. You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, We have some music coming your way. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.